as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. Deadly tornado at the coast this past weekend. Roly Casas with the Cameron County Emergency Management Office joining us right now. Roly, you and Tom and the crew of it, y'all didn't get much sleep this weekend. So let's go back to the incident again. Friday night to Saturday morning. It was Saturday morning around what, like 4 o'clock in the morning, something like that. That's when that F1 hit in the Laguna Heights area? Uh, that is correct. Um, and we actually got to, well, that's what time we started getting the warnings and uh, and Tom started to getting us all mustered up, ready to head out. How much damage are we looking at? In, now that we've had a couple of days to look at the dam, how many structures, how many homes are damaged as a result of the F1? Uh, so, total after the assessments, roughly between 50 and 60 homes um, were either damaged, destroyed. Um, so there was there's a few families that uh, that that were very lucky, very lucky. Um, we were we're all we were all lucky. Let's let's, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, we we did have one one fatality that day. Um, but we, we were hearing stories from some of the families out there. Um, I mean, that's what woke them. Um, their children flying across the street. My goodness. Right? Or them uh, be, being pinned up against the walls. Um, it, it was uh, something new, to, to say the least. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, the, the, the hours, actually, 4.06 start time and 4.08 uh, end time, um, was what the National Weather Service actually um, verified for us on that EF1 tornado. Um, so start time when when that uh, tornado touched ground, uh-huh. 4:06, and ended at 4:08. So two minutes. Uh, wow. Two long long minutes for those yeah, individuals. Two, sure. two sheer terror for two minutes for folks at um, Laguna Heights. Roly Casas is with the Cameron County Emergency Management Office. Mr. Casas, Tim Sullivan here. Do you have any idea of the conditions now of those who are still hospitalized, or are people are people still hospitalized? Um, that night, uh, the the ten that were transported were we we had a few cuts and bruises, a few broken arms, um, but nothing really too critical. Um, we have not gotten word that they've already been, uh, most of them were discharged, but those that were still there, I haven't gotten confirmation if all of them have been released already, but um, nothing was life-threatening when uh, when they were transported to begin with. Okay. Have you been able to, or do you think at this point you'll be able to estimate a dollar amount of the damage yet? We, we have not. Um, we're take care of the life safety issue, um, the incident stabilization. We're still trying to get uh, power back up in that area. Um, so now hopefully, I mean, we're getting rained on right now as we speak. So um, yesterday we had boots on ground from uh, from TDEM, Tech's Division of Emergency Management, and our staff, um, Cameron County Office of Emergency Management. Um, we were out there doing a, a – assessments door-to-door uh, checking up on everybody taking yeah. photos um, pushing everybody to do the self-reporting on that ice that app that we we've been talking about for for these past storms um, so we had boots on grounds making contact and just checking their conditions uh, but we'll start evaluating and putting a, a dollar amount to that today now that we know mostly everybody's is doing better um, right so it was a 
it was a good very good show of support yesterday while we we're out there um neighbors helping neighbors uh the community coming together getting out there cleaning up um had a couple of volunteers a couple of uh landscaping companies go out there volunteering their their crews and their equipment um to get into those properties and and help those individuals um clean up some of those uh those fallen trees and debris that were that was all over the place. Assistant Emergency Management Coordinator for Cameron County, Rolly Casas, our guest. Rolly, with that in mind, um, and, and as far as how you see things, how are folks coping in this these couple of days after the tornado? How are they handling what happened to them? You know, in just a matter of minutes, because there are a lot of homes that are simply not there anymore. Yeah, that that is, they're, regardless, they are a resilient group. I mean, they're, uh, like I said, neighbors helping neighbors. Um, there's uh, some elderly folks out there that that's, I mean, a lot of them out there, that's all they have. Um, but yet they're, they're helping each other out. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been looking good. And, and we're working with our with our NGO partners and seeing what type of assistance, what else we can get to get for them um, to be able to help them out. Um, so it's so far it's been going good and they've been, I guess the word is coping, right? They're, they're coping with it. I mean, there's, there's, they're taking it day by day as, as are we and trying to just get them whatever help and support we can. As of Monday morning, do you still have some folks at a shelter? Where are your shelters for some of these folks? So no shelters. We had a temporary shelter. Thank you for uh, thank you to Port Isabel, um, City of Port Isabel, all their staff. Um, they've been helping us out tremendously um, to including our, our law enforcement partners um, with our constable's office and uh, Port Isabel, Laguna Vista. They've all been out there um, helping out. Um, so we did have a temporary shelter going on, um, which is at their event center, the Port Isabel event center. So um and uh the salvation army has an on-site uh uh canteen which is a feeding van a feeding trailer um and they've been partnered up helping out being helped out by red cross as well that have been supplying hot foods hot meals for them there on site in the neighborhood um for those that can't walk out so um so no actual shelter just that temporary okay. which is the they'll be able to go when and and but we do have these individuals that lost everything um housed uh thanks to some of our partners and donors um we're to get we're able to get uh some of them uh hotels um so they're they're being taken care of there for now all right Broly casas with emergency management at cameron county highway 100 still partially open right you got one lane or what's the status of that and tell me about the the curfew for that area Sure. So Highway 100, we opened it up yesterday. So we had full traffic going through yesterday. Um, we did have uh, the outer lanes eastbound and westbound closed just for AEP. All the, the electrical uh, providers and subcontractors are trying to get light um, electricity back in the area. So they're, they're big vehicles, um, take up space. So just for safety, we had the, the outer lanes closed, but everything's off of 100, it's already taken care of on the electrical part. Um, now they're inside uh, the actual neighborhood, still trying to get connection back up. So traffic is going well. Um, electricity is maybe at about 70 to 80 percent from when I left yesterday. Um, so we're, we're getting an update here this morning. Since it's still raining, we're uh, trying to set up uh, an additional command post and some other stuff out there. So. We'll get better numbers on that electrical. So the curfew um, that was set in place uh, by Judge Trevino was uh, to take care of a concern from those residents that did remain. They were um, very worried about looters and other individuals taking uh, their property, the what they have left. So we ended up setting up a perimeter. We closed it down and only letting those individuals that did live in that area enter so hopefully that will be lifted today it was still on uh last night um especially because of the the lack of power of electricity so that should be lifted today hopefully everything uh gets okay. back in order on the electrical side 
Um, but we still have heavy uh, law enforcement presence yeah. by patrol, That's so good. being provided by by our constables at Port Isabel. So, all right, Rolly. Hey, thank you, you Tom, and all the gang out there for all the work uh, you folks have been doing with the Office of Emergency Management, Cameron County. That's Rolly Casa. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. If you go to Mexico for medical procedures or you know know, friends or family who do that, heads up. A warning from local health officials. Edio Olivares with the Hidalgo County Health Office with this incident or these incidents in, in the news uh, folks who went to Matamoros, they went through some type of surgery procedure, and now we're dealing with fungal meningitis. So what can you tell us, Eddie? Well, good morning, Sergio and Tim and Fred. Uh, you know, morning, it's buddy. it's amazing that, uh, you know, we're seeing the situation, but it's, it's inevitable. There's a lot of people who, unfortunately, uh, will look and seek a lesser cost or to get some cosmetic surgeries or cosmetic uh, procedures done, and they go to Mexico, which is a common. Unfortunately, we have a really serious situation dealing with uh, a fungal meningitis. And let me explain what that is real quickly. Basically, the our spinal cord and our brain have the spinal fluid. And that spinal fluid is sterile. It's always very clean. There's no, nothing, there, there isn't anything in it. People might get a viral meningitis, a bacterial meningitis, or uh, fungal meningitis. But what happens is that when these people are getting these cosmetic procedures, they did an epidural, which is when they put uh, you know, some anesthesia through your spine to uh, lessen the pain and, and, and numb the area that they're going to work on. When they do that, it all of a sudden it contaminates the meningi, which is the fluid, the spinal fluid in that area, and that in turn circulates through the spinal cord and the brain. Aye. What happens is that this was this particular procedures had contaminated uh, either contaminated uh, medication or contaminated uh, equipment that were used and introduced the fungus into Yikes. the brain, into the spinal fluid. The brain will swell, causing blurred vision. Uh, color distortion in vision, black and white vision, double vision, headaches. It'll cause uh, nausea and fever. It is a very serious situation. The thing is, this fungus, there's very few medications that can deal with it. It is very difficult to treat. And the the difficult thing about this, it could start within three or four days after the procedure and the infection is introduced, up to eight weeks, nine weeks after it was introduced. So the, the, the onset of, of symptoms can be a long time, up to several weeks. Right now we have five people in the hospital dealing with this, but our sources in Mexico say there's many more people in Mexico that are ill and sick and many more that have died in Mexico. Amazing. This was in relation to a situation in Durango, Mexico, and in Matamoros. Uh, the, the, the health department uh, in Mexico is on top of it. They're dealing with this and working with that. Okay. But we need to encourage everybody that's gotten any type of procedure in Mexico, if you're experiencing those symptoms that I just mentioned, go to your doctor immediately and explain that you've gone through uh, cosmetic procedures sure. in Mexico. Yeah, if you got, uh, of course, if they access that sterile liquid in your spinal column through an epidural, if they tap that, more than likely you may have been exposed. Uh, they're dealing with a fungal meningitis situation here. 
in South Texas, Northern Mexico. Our guest from the Hidalgo County Health Office is Eddie Olivares. Yeah, Eddie, Tim Sullivan here. So how can this happen? How could this have happened? Is it violations of health care well, regulations, carelessness, negligence, or? Well, I think it's a combination of all. You know, I mean, people go to Mexico because the regulations there are a little bit different than they are in the U.S., and the cost is less, it's less expensive, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it could have been introduced from a contaminated um, um, uh, equipment, like sometimes the circuitry, the tubing and the syringes that they use could have been contaminated, uh, the medication could have been contaminated, anesthesia could have been contaminated, or it could be multiple-use equipment where they use the same equipment over and over, and they don't mm-hmm. sterilize it properly. Uh, the thing with fungus, it is very, very difficult to get rid of. Even if you have to have very specialized equipment to fertilize, and bacteria and viruses are easier to kill than fungus. Fungus is a tough one, and so that's why it's very important that you go to a notable, reputable uh, physician to get procedures done. So you mentioned treatment. It can be treated, but it's very, very difficult Exactly. The amount of medications available to treat the fungus is very limited. And then not only that, but as of yesterday that I'm aware of, they had not identified the type of fungus it is. They're having a very difficult time, what they call genotyping it, and determining what it is. That way they could pinpoint the medication to use. Uh, It's just very difficult. They're having a difficult time with that. And and the other thing is that we're going to see more cases. I'm just telling you right now, because... If it takes up to six weeks, nine weeks to start seeing symptoms, people who just got procedures done with this outfit in Matamoros or in Mexico in the last couple of weeks, we're not going to see that until another month or two. Yes, sir. Yeah. Tapping the spine is, a, you know, the epidural is very common um, procedure used for uh, for anesthesia. So, again, you're referencing people who go down there for for cosmetic procedures, all, all types of beauty procedures. They might use that for the anesthesia, for whatever it is they're doing on their body, their face. So that's why likely we might see, God forbid, but we might see several more. I hope it's not a lot more. But, again, heads up to anyone who went to Mexico. You know, anybody who went to Matamonos, went to Mexico, and got some type of procedure that uh, I think the key word here is involved the, the epidural. Uh, that's because the, it, that epidural accessed that uh, sterile fluid fluid. Uh, that perfect fluid that's, that's in the uh, in the spine. That's correct. Okay, and the thing is, they heavily market these procedures. I mean, you go to any of the social media sites, my God, especially the Spanish language social media sites. Oh my God, they advertise these procedures in Mexico. Procedures that cost you know yeah. ten thousand, twelve thousand dollars in the U.S. cost fifteen hundred dollars in Mexico, and people jump to it. They travel from all over the country. That's another thing. It's not only the valley. We're going to start hearing cases maybe in North Texas and even other parts of the state. When you got some of the winter Texans that we see, some of the people that travel down here, get these procedures done, they're not all from Texas. Some of these folks are actually coming from out of state. Well, yeah, and I think uh, related to that attack in Matamoros against the, the four Americans back in March, those folks were coming from either North or South Carolina. One of the women was going to Matamoros for one of these cosmetic procedures. We understand. There you go. Yeah. Eddie, yeah. with all the rain of late, uh, any mosquito summer-related, you know, mosquito-related diseases and what we, what the health <laughs> office is doing to fight back? Not yet, not yeah. yet. But okay. we have a few, a few million mosquitoes flying around. So please, I ask everybody to maintain your yards and remove standing water. Uh, go to the local... Uh, uh, farm ranch store or box store and get yourself a fogger kind of spray your area your your yard uh be careful with your pets your pets also get bit by mosquitoes so please uh take care of your pets as well there is actually vaccinations for dogs to help deal with mosquitoes so you know please be aware that it's going to uh, it's going to continue throughout the next several months and with this little rain that we've been getting which is mosquito population is increasing and Really, we need to take care of, we as residents and, and community members need to be responsible for our yards and, and, and maintaining that and controlling that. This is the time of year when we hear the, the word dengue fever, things like that you, you start monitoring <laughs> yeah. for in, in the area and yeah. working with Mexico yes, to monitor we are. stuff like that. All right, Eddie, We are working with them. Thank you for the update. Now, listen, any Texas health, local health advice, going back to the main issue we were talking about, this fungal meningitis, the... Uh, 
the suspected it, source of that, which would be the the epidural for any procedure you yeah. got in Mexico, and you you probably know somebody that might have gone through something like that. Uh, do they report to their doctor? Is there anything they can do preemptively? Immediately, immediately, go to your physician if you've gotten procedures done in Mexico. Got an epidural, an epidural in Mexico, yeah. Heads up. You, and you're having headaches or blurred vision oh, or <laughs> fever. Go to your doctor immediately and explain to them that this had been done in the last whatever few weeks or few days and you experience anything. Then that way your doctor will know how to test for it. That's crazy. All right. Thank you, Eddie Olivares from the Hidalgo County Health Office. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an active shooter, multiple gunshot victims. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. This is News Talk 710-KURV, this radio station, exclusive play-by-play home for Houston Astros baseball. Thank you to our many supporters, including FNT Valley Motorsports and Riverside Development Services and also Pess Air. Ed Campinano is the director of the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. We're saying happy 87th birthday to our port. It was on May 16th, 87 years ago, that they opened up the doors and were open for business back then. So what were we we doing? What were we shipping 87 years ago on this first day of business? Well, I'll tell you, you know, obviously the valley was very focused on agriculture in those days. But, you know, another thing, too, is that, you know, we've always been in the hydrocarbon business, uh, you know, for even way back then there was a shipment of fuels through the port of Brownsville. Uh, you know, Femex had a prominent present here for many, many years. And uh, so, you know, that's always been part of, I guess, the port's DNA. But a lot of it was agriculture, obviously. Uh, I can remember the days of the, the bananas and the potatoes and pineapples and onions and citrus. So, um, uh, you know, back when citrus was king, uh, absolutely right. cotton. You know, yeah. it was a time when the Port of Brownsville used to lead the nation in cotton exports. So, a lot changed. Uh, probably, you know, NAFTA had a lot to do with it. Yeah, uh, we started to see large industry come into the port. In the early years, it was Union Carbide. You know, they were here for many years, and they exited in the late '60s, early '70s. Uh, that was a significant hit to the community. Uh, uh, we also saw the emergence of the, uh, you know, the uh, ship uh, uh, offshore oil uh, platform uh, production and repairs. Uh, Marathon Laterno, you know, in the heyday of Marathon, there was 3,500 employees here at the Port of Brownsville just with Marathon. So, you know, there's been uh, multiple evolutions, but at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, shipping, uh, the availability of, of being able to move commodities, you know, some things have not changed. And in other cases, it's really expanded our reach. You know, well beyond just uh, um, the region. Uh, you know, of course, now we're a global entity, so that that's no, and it's the dawn of a new era. No, it really a, is it's a new era for us now. Yeah. Now, you know, with LNG on the way, we can talk a bit more about that mm-hmm. in a little bit. But you mentioned Mexico and Pemex and their presence. Well, years ago, decades ago, their dependence on on the port. I refer to our port as the unofficial port of Monterrey and Saltillo, uh, the industrial <laughs> north, with all the steel that comes yeah, in here, right? In, in many respects, yeah, and and you know, I mean, that is the industrial base of Mexico also you know it's been referred to as the Pittsburgh of Mexico because of much of the steel industry located there and uh, you know the but it also speaks to the region you've heard me say this before I mean cross-border trade is something you know this region has always done and uh, and does it well and so the logistics platform that exists to be able to service the many customers in Monterrey it may start here by the incoming cargo but it's it's really the availability of the services that we have in the region that make that so successful as well. Ed Campirano, director of the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. This is the morning news on 710KQRV. We're broadcasting all day today from the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. Go ahead, Jim. Well, this is uh, quite a news release. 
uh, that you've got for us on this 87th birthday, some significant increases in significant categories. Tell us what's taken place over the last couple of years. Well, uh, the uh, Army Corps of Engineers tracks uh, uh, waterborne commerce. Uh, it's part of their, uh, you know, the, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has the responsibility of maintaining the nation's nav navigable waterways. And and so uh, they, they track tonnage as it moves through uh, currently uh, uh, U.S. ports. Uh, domestic uh, or inland ports. Uh, what I mean by inland is inland river or, or, or seaports. And uh, they do keep track of tonnage movement through the 150 ports uh, uh, in the United States. Now that's the break-off point. There's many more ports, but they're smaller in nature. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so that's how come they, they measure, you know, how, uh, how cargo is moving. And uh, um, you know we've we've been obviously part of that uh, uh, tracking for for decades. Uh, uh, what's significant about the most recent report is from 2020 to 2021, our waterborne cargo increased 30 percent. More and looking at the chart, that was uh, uh, one of the highest percentage increases of a lot of ports on that list. Uh, we jumped 11 positions from where we were. To where we currently stand, and what's exciting to a great degree is that we already know what uh, you know our audited metrics for 2022, and that show again another increase over 2021. The importance of, of trying to we're we're currently measured at number 55, mm -hmm. and what's important about that is that you know you want to get into that top 50 ports in the nation. Okay, and it's always a, 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 a you know, money is important. And what happens at that area is that you kind of jump into a category of not that ports aren't significant, but significant. And what that means for us is that, you know, you're going to have money allocated for purposes of maintaining your channel. A lot of times when you're below that group, I mean, you're fighting with everybody else to try to get money for maintenance. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, th that, that really kind of keeps us moving. And if you think even three or four years down the road where we already know that we're, we're currently at, at 55 and, and we're just just a hair below that that 50 and yeah. a hair below that that magic mark of 10 million tons a year um, you know 2022 our unaudited uh, cargo figures put us at 9.9 .9. you know we'd be start to pass up ports like Miami you know ports that are significant in the national scheme uh, but we also know that given what we have on the board right now in terms of projects that are coming you know, the LNG is permitted for 27 million tons. All of that is export. <laughs> Will that uh, be enough got, to jump us five points? Uh, that'll be enough to jump us into the 30s, 20s. I okay. mean, that is going to be significant. Well, a lot more people will take notice there. Oh, absolutely. Even though, you know, Texas has three ports that are in the top 10 in the nation. Now, even though the number one port, which is Houston, uh, saw uh, about a 2% drop in cargo, they're still the number one. But there's a big variance between number one and number 10 and as you go down. So so at the end of the day, getting to that level of, of cargo movement, you know, the relevance to that is that we would be secured that we have funding necessary federal to funding. maintain federal funding to maintain the navigation channel. Uh, you know, right now we've had a draft restriction for a few years and, you know, maintaining that. So, you know, again, it begins to focus on putting the money where the money is needed most. And, you know, we're growing as a port. And uh, I think the uh, 2020 to 2021 jump is significant. Uh, it certainly, uh, you know, catches your attention. Yep. And, and that's a big leap in one year. And, and we know that it's continuing to grow as we go forward. So that, that's pretty exciting to see that happen. Ed Campinano is the director of the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. And you'll notice I always force the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. Because every economic development office out there, McAllen, Mission, Edinburgh, Harlingen, and all of them, when they sell this region, they sell the port. It is our port. It is one region. That's one of the benefits that we have. We're close to the sea. We have the port, and we can bring in industry for that. Well, in this new dawn, new era that we're in, we do need the help of folks up in Austin. 
You and I spoke months ago at the beginning of the legislative session. You were kind of hoping that things would move in favor of the port. So now that we're you know, two weeks away from signing die, is there anything that they pass to benefit the port, well, either their transportation or any other benefit? Well, in th there is uh, there is movement, and I guess we'll see at the end of the year whether it winds up ultimately re including uh, uh, providing funding for ports in the, through the state of Texas. Uh, there's some mechanisms that are already in law. Uh, the port infrastructure uh, bill, for example, uh, uh, is 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 uh, is included in Chapter 55 of the uh, of the Transportation Code. Uh, there's also language there to support uh, ports uh, that are deepening the ship channels. They've been authorized by Congress to do so. So we're hopeful that this year the legislature will uh, come through and obviously. Uh, um, include uh, funding from the general fund for port infrastructure. Uh, we're the and then only we state have to in get in line with Houston and Corpus, well, get that, in line to elbow in to see if we can get some of that money. Well, that, that is correct, right. but the way it will be handled, it will be provide an opportunity for, you know, Texas ports to, you know, compete for funding. At least we'll be competing in only a smaller space amongst ourselves. Yeah, uh, and there'll be provisions that will uh, allow for trying to expand that money to as many ports as possible. Right. What's particularly important about that is that that money would be available to spend it inside the port. Mm. You know, cargo starts at the gate. I mean, I'm sorry, cargo starts at the dock. It doesn't start at the gate. So, you know, this would allow ports to be able to use money to improve their docks or to buy equipment to move uh, commodities off the dock, ship, loading, unloading. So, you know, that would be a significant movement towards providing support to ports where ports really need it the most and so it isn't just a uh, again just kind of working about you know the last mile improving road uh, network connectivity uh, to a port but not necessarily spending money inside a port chief thank you for the invite today congratulations again with all your success happy birthday to our Rio Grande Valley port of Brownsville 87 years young today May 16th was the first day of business 87 years ago for the Rio Grande Valley port of Brownsville As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710 KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United crisp, clear audio, and access to previous programs from 710-KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. It's a special day for our airport at Brownsville. We got a direct flight from Disneyland. Actually, that would be Disney World in Orlando headed this way. Bryant Walker, Texas Ranger. He's with our Brownsville South Padre Island Airport. On the flight from Orlando, landing in Brownsville. When are you supposed to when are wheels down at, at Brownsville later today, right? So the, the aircraft scheduled to land about 10.50 this morning. I feel like Orson Welles on the scene, you know? Yeah, awesome. So tell me about this new air service at Brownsville. How often, all that stuff. So twice a week, um, Avello Airlines is going to be flying their 737 aircraft from um, Orlando on Wednesdays and Saturdays to Brownsville Direct. And then on Wednesdays and Saturdays, they'll also be flying Burbank to Brownsville uh, and back direct. So um, it gives a, the community, you know, the, even the whole region, a lot more connectivity uh, than they previously had. And it's this uh, ultra low cost format. So ultra low cost carriers, um, you, you pay for each item you select, but you can get to where you're going uh, much more economically than you can with some of the um, other carriers out there. Uh, I would have mentioned the Avello network. Uh, would be as extensive as other you know, direct flight, low-budget carriers where you can access other points in the country, you know, hop to Orlando, and then go to the East Coast, or something like that, right? 
Oh, absolutely. So if you look at their network, they cover the entire East Coast, the entire West Coast. So they're a startup. They've only been in operation for about uh, two years now. So they're still building their network uh, using brand new aircraft. We've got these uh, brand new next gen 737 aircraft. So they're they're new. They haven't, you know, <laughs> they haven't been used to death yet. Yeah. And, um, and and the network is interesting because they, they cover the whole East Coast and West Coast. And they're based in Houston, but, but Brownsville is their first Texas destination. So that, hmm. that makes us a connection between the East and West Coast, uh, which is pretty unique in their, in their network structure. But um, we're, we're super excited to see it come in. Bryant Walker with our Brownsville, South Padre Island Airport. Wednesday, May 17th, first day for a flight from Orlando to Brownsville, celebrating that this week. Okay, Houston base, but Brownsville is the first Texas connection. How can they have a they don't have a flight out of Houston? What's up with that? I would imagine Houston well, would eventually be in the network, right? Well, you know, ultra low cost, low cost carriers. I mean, they they have uh, different reasons for doing different things. Uh, kind of like you know, I might I I'm not going to necessarily go to one store to get my tires done and pick up groceries. I'm going to go to different stores <laughs> for uh, to to get the best value uh, for for each item I'm going to select. So that's kind of what the low cost carrier has done. They're, they've based in Texas because that's the area that they like. It's good for their business. And, and then they've really built their routes in, in these high density population areas, but they're still trying to connect small communities. So a lot of their route network goes into some of the smaller airports um, rather than going into, you know, the major airports. And the reason for that is even, you know, the large hub airports, you've been through those, the checkpoints are congested um, <clears throat> and it's difficult to travel through it oftentimes. And small airports like Brownsville, these are the ones they're connecting to because it's more convenient for their passengers. It's easier to process through yeah. much quicker. Well, so they can get a lot of efficiencies out of that. Well, a, a million, close to a million and a half in the Valley, but I'm wondering if Avella is one of those smart companies. They know what's going on here. You got Reynosa, Matamoros, millions of people more just south of the border. Monterrey, two hours away by land and summer travel. And all these fresitas, all these well-to-do Mexicans, about 15, 20% of the population with lots of cash. You know, they come spending money over here. Well, they would like to go see, you know, all the sites, all the uh, the big parks in Orlando vacation with families. So I'm wondering if they're indirectly also trying to tap into that. I'm, I'm wondering if, if they'll be tracking those numbers. Bryant Walker with the Brownsville South Padre Island Airport joining us. We've known for a while that Avello was going to, uh, be up and running this week. So, tell me about bookings. That that, that they fill up the flights. So, you know, what do you know? So, uh, it's uh, Brownsville is still an interesting market. So, uh, right now, the bookings are are beyond they're exceeding the expectations that we've had. So, uh, the initial flights they tend to be um, really hyped up, uh, and and right now we have probably about eighty five percent bookings on. Uh, the initial flights, the flight I'll be coming in on, the actual first flight into Brownsville today is an extra flight. Uh, so it has lighter booking, but only because it's the, the celebratory flight. Um, now the standard flights, the, there will be a second flight from Orlando today, which is like I said, is that's the standard flight that, that is going to be on the schedule. Mm -hmm. That's the one that's the higher booking level. So, um, you know, I think that what we're going to see is uh, adoption of this flight and, and you'll see the community becoming um, more, uh, it's more, it'll be more consistent over time. So we'll be able to, uh, see an increase in bookings, sure. even from the high levels we're seeing right now. And yeah. when people understand, we, we actually had anecdotally, we had some people tell us that they thought they actually thought that it wasn't really true that they were getting some sort of, you know, um, uh, I don't know, scam email because they didn't believe that the, the costs were that low today. I'm flying in for $75. From, from Orlando. One way, 75 a, bucks. Yeah, one way, 75 bucks. Well, with luggage. Yes, sir. Okay. So yeah. that's, you know. Well, they got to make money uh, to pay salaries and keep the planes in the air, pay for fuel. So uh, how's the pricing structure? Is it based on number of bags? I don't know. They're selling pillows. Uh, maybe they're selling you the Coke and, no, no. and peanuts on the plane. What, like, How do they make money? What, <laughs> what What's the pricing? How are they different in pricing compared to other carriers? Did you notice any difference? So yeah, you, if you want to take bags, you you pay for the bag that you take. So it's it's right size to the type of traveling that you are. If you travel light and all you have is carry-ons, you're only paying for your your base fare. 
And then if you want to select your seat, you know, you want to upgrade to a roomier seat or more to the closer to the front or something. Yeah. Um, then you would, you can actually pay for different tiers of legroom. There we go. And some of us are larger. I'm, I'm a six foot two guy myself. And, uh-huh. um, I, I appreciate a little bit more legroom. So yeah, it doesn't hurt me to pay an extra, you know, five or 10 bucks to get that, that extra space. This is a two and a half hour flight, roughly two, two hour and 45 minute flight from Orlando to Brownsville. So, a little extra leg room is worth that extra, you know, ten bucks that you might spend to upgrade your seat. But you can you can absolutely get your base fare, and right now the base fare with some of the discounts out there they're about thirty five bucks each way. That's, that's, that's pretty, how little it is. Wow, that's pretty good. And then if, like I said, if you bring a bag, that's going to increase it. Okay. And then if you select a seat, that'll increase it. That's how they structure it. But but again, it's right sized. You know, how many times have I jumped on a plane, and you know I'm paying for everybody else, and I'm just I flew into Orlando just for the night, just uh, to, so I can make sure to be on that inaugural flight. And I'm not traveling very heavy, so uh, I do have a bag with me. Uh, that's why it's a 75 bucks for the one-way flight. But I could have flown from Brownsville to Orlando and back, and it could have been a total of uh, less than $80, um, you know, especially on this quick overnight kind of a trip. So if you've got meetings in other cities or – or if you, you know, some people actually will, will uh, they, they have luggage where they're going already. They have, you know, it is. A wardrobe or something. Yeah. So that's not a problem for them. It is. Avello Airlines, again, we're celebrating Avello Airlines, uh, their inaugural fly, flight to uh, Brownsville, Wednesday, May 17th. It's, you know, this week we, we uh, open up new service at Brownsville with Avello Airlines, it, it will be year-round, right? Or, or will it be seasonal based on vacation schedules? What, what's the plan? Um, they do keep their schedule flexible right now. It's, it's, uh, we're tentatively scheduling it for year-round. Uh, you know, the community does need to use the service. If, if the service isn't used, then that would go for any carrier. Then the airline will adjust, and, All right. and it could be a, uh, a seasonal thing. We'll see. So uh, especially in a, a low-cost area, sure. a carrier is going to be – very reactive as well. So uh, we want to make sure that the community comes out, supports the flight and, and take a vacation, you know, <laughs> go right. to a different beach. Uh, just, you know, one time, Yeah, uh, LA or Orlando. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brian, congratulations on the, the new service at, at your airport and call us back uh, later in the summer. See how things went for available. I certainly will, sir. Thank you. You have a great day. Brian Walker with our Brownsville South Padre Island airport. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. We welcome back Sunny Inojosa, general manager for the Hidalgo County Irrigation District Number Two, and likely has some Watermaster monthly report numbers. And with the steady rain for the past four, five, or so weeks. Just a little bit drip, drip, drip. Maybe our watershed, uh, water conservation. Maybe it's um, maybe it's looking pretty good right now. So, Sonny Nahosa, what do you say, brother? What numbers do you want to share with us right now? You know, I check the IBWC website every morning, and just to see how much rain came into or how much water came into the watershed after last weekend's rain. You know, we didn't get the rain that was expected, but still, you know, it's still uh, water still coming in. Uh, Amistad and these. This comparison is as of last Friday, uh, May 12th, uh, to this morning. You know, Amistad came up three-fourths of a foot and uh, Falcon uh, four-tenths of a foot. But still, uh, you know, the storage still bumped up a little over 30,000 acre feet. So that's still a positive. And then uh, the other numbers I wanted to share is we got our water master report this past Monday uh, for the month of April. And there was a pretty pretty good allocation to the irrigation and mining water right owners. Uh, 
there was a, an allocation of almost 74,000 acre feet. So that that is a good boost uh, to our storage balances. And as you well know, we've had a wet spring. Uh, we've had very little irrigation this year. Uh, April was about 300% above normal. Uh, nice. I'll say March was about 300% and April about 600% above normal rainfall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got more rain forecast, uh, you know, May starting off wet and we've got more rain forecast for this weekend. So as long as we're not, if we're getting the rain here, it's beneficial because we don't have to request water to be released from the reservoirs. So that helps in, in that aspect. Uh, of course, we would welcome any rain in the watershed. And then we're getting into that season where we probably will. So, you know, things are positive in that note. But as, as you're well aware, we're still U.S. ownership in the amistad Cocken Reservoir System is still at 28.9%. So that's still, you know, just 980,000 acre feet. Uh, that's, <laughs> wow. That's less water than we normally use in a year. Man, I thought we'd be a little higher than that. But I guess everybody was tapping into some of that water to irrigate their fields during during planting season. Wow. Uh, and I'm sure glad somebody blew the forecast about 60, 90 days ago. They said it was going to be a very dry, very dry spring. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll take this cadence. Uh, Sonny Nahosa from Irrigation District number, number 2, Hidalgo County, our guest. Sonny, Tim Sullivan here. As far as the the rain that uh, raised the water and the levels in the watershed somewhat, uh, how much time does that buy us? It, was it enough to give farmers some breathing room, or are they right now pretty satisfied with with the rain that is falling across the valley so far, you know we're not we're not delivering a whole lot of water for irrigation. Mm-hmm. Most everyone is is basically shut down. Uh, we you know irrigation districts are in the business of delivering water, so it's 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 not it's not good for our revenue, but we'd rather have the water in in storage, uh, to so when you know we do need it, it's available. But, um, like I said, farmers are not drawing water from the reservoir to irrigate. We've had local rainfall, so that keeps water in storage. Uh, we're not comfortable. We don't have enough water, you know, for for the next year at this point. You know, like I said, we're, we're at 28.97%, and we need to be a lot better than that. Oh, you yeah. know, we need to be in the in the 40% range or better uh, to feel comfortable, you know, 45, 44, 45% for a dry year, you know, normal rainfall year, you know, here, you know, we can get by with with 35, 36%, but on a dry year, we've got to be in the mid forties as far as U S ownership in the reservoirs. Are efforts still underway at the federal level to persuade Mexico to let loose the water they have and, and which is owed to us? Yes, yes. Uh, we're really hoping that that our, our federal government can apply some pressure to Mexico. You know, they're behind in their deliveries uh, in this treaty cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, we're two and a half years into the current cycle, and, and they're behind over 540,000 acre feet deliveries to the U.S. And if we can get that water, you know, we we would be very, very comfortable. How much would that but, fill the uh, reservoirs? To what percentage would that help? Well, let's see. We have uh, we currently have nine hundred eighty-two thousand four seventy-eight, and if we got Mexico's water, here are the ones. Subtract the two. And... <laughs> yeah, it'd be forty-five. We, we'd get up to forty-five percent. Okay. Wow. If, if we receive that water. That's from Mexico. A huge there, there you go. That's what we wow. need. Okay. Hey, just for for my information, Sonny, who is Needing that irrigation water now, what crops are, are being irrigated, and Excellent. also uh, what crops right now are, are not liking this rain? Hmm. Well, if there's any vegetable harvesting going on, I'm sure they don't appreciate the rain. But, you know, sugarcane needs water year-round. And, and right now that we're getting local rainfall, they, they have not had to irrigate. But the perennial crops are the ones that suffer. You know, most everyone else has, you know, your your seasonal crops, the row crops, which right now we've got a lot of corn, you know, and cotton in the ground, a little bit of sorghum. Um, but they have not had to irrigate this year, not a whole lot. Sonny Inojosa, 
Hidalgo County Irrigation District Number 2, our guests. We're looking at the water levels at our watershed, the Falcon and Amistad dams, uh, the reservoir. So we are U.S. ownership just shy of 29%. We're at 28.9%. Had it not been for all the spring rain, Sonny, the unexpected spring rain, if I can add to that, might we be back at water restrictions in Brownsville, McAllen, all these cities at the moment? Absolutely, absolutely. Had we not had a wet spring, you know, we would be, you know, last year we hit a low spot uh, uh, of 20, uh, 20.69%, and that was in mid-August. And we would have reached that point probably by June of this year, two to three months earlier, had we not had a wet spring. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, things are not, it, it, our, our supply is not that great. Uh, but you know, we've had some local relief because of the of the rainfall, but we need to boost our supply up, and and I hope our federal government is successful in convincing Mexico to make good on their obligations to deliver water to the U.S. Are you gambling that that's the case? That that's going to happen? If so, by how soon might that happen? If it happens, <laughs> if it happens, it'll probably be in the fall or before the year's end. Yeah, it doesn't help uh, for the if summer. If they're successful at all. Yeah. You know, uh, the IBWC commissioner, the International Boundary Water Commissioner, is uh, Mariana Giner, is, is proposing a, a minute to the treaty, which would allow Mexico to deliver water. And, and you know, right now, the U.S. gets one-third of the water that that meets, reaches the main some of the Rio Grande, and Mexico gets two-thirds. Yeah. But this new minute would allow for the U.S. to get 100% of the credit and... and uh, you know, Mexico not have to deliver 300% of the water. You know, they owe us 500,000 acre feet. They'd have to release at least 1.5 million. Yeah, and, and we know how that goes. US. Where are we in the five-year cycle? Two and a half years into it. <laughs> yeah. Wait two and a half years for delivery, uh, or they'll wait for the uh, tropical system to fill up the dams uh, over in Mexico. That's correct. Yeah. Thank That's you, Sonny. Good. Sonny Nahosa from Irrigation District Number 2, Hidalgo County. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Mi app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.